The other night at youth group, I spoke with the teenagers about some of the spiritual lessons that we can learn from the wonderful and pleasantly surprising 2013 Boston Red Sox. At least they were pleasantly surprising to some of us in this church. Today I'll share these lessons with you in my homily, or some of them anyway, because they can be found also in today's first reading, in that text we just heard from the second book of Maccabees. That's not a book that is read too often by many Catholics. And so I'll give a little historical background. I think it's necessary for that particular reading. In the fourth century before Christ, Alexander the Great conquered the Holy Land and a lot of other places in the known world as well. In fact, when his empire was at its largest point, it stretched all the way from Greece to modern-day Pakistan. And then Alexander died, as we all do. After his death, his generals divided up his empire. And one of those generals, a man named Seleucus, ended up controlling the area where Israel is, the area now known as Palestine. Thus began what historians call the Seleucid Empire. In 175 BC, a descendant of Seleucus named Antiochus IV Epiphanes came to power. He became king of that empire. He was not a nice guy, to put it mildly. In fact, he was exactly the opposite when it came to his relationship with the Jewish people. In 168 BC, for example, he invaded the holy city of Jerusalem. He desecrated the temple, the holiest place for Jews. And he instituted laws that prevented the Jews from practicing their religion freely. And those who violated those laws and who tried to remain faithful to their Jewish religion were put to death immediately like the seven brothers that we heard about in today's first reading. Incidentally, this is the abridged PG version of the story. Their deaths were gruesome. If you want to read about all of them, some of the horrible things that they did to these seven boys and their mother, she died with them. If you want to do that, you'll have to open your Bibles later on and read all of 2 Maccabees 7. Which brings us to the Red Sox. As I explained to the teenagers the other night, God speaks to us in many ways, one of which is through the events of our lives, and sometimes that even includes the events surrounding our favorite sports teams. We aren't always attuned to those insights. That's why I like to discuss this kind of stuff with our teenagers. I want to make them aware. God is at work everywhere, in one way or another. And as Christians, we should try to be aware of his works. For example, here are some of the spiritual lessons we can learn from the current World Series champions. Number one, you need to have the right goal in life. And you need to stay focused on that goal. It's very clear that this group of Red Sox players had the goal of winning a championship from very early on in the season. And they stayed focused on that goal, even when, admittedly, very few of us thought they could actually attain it. Which leads to the second lesson. 
Don't let other people, even your friends, keep you from reaching the goal. Let's be honest about it. Back in April and May, if the Red Sox had listened to the majority of their fans, including yours truly, and to most of the sports writers in the local media, if they had listened to us, they would never have won anything this year. Many fans and journalists were predicting this team would have a hard time staying out of last place in their own division. As for the World Series, that wasn't even on the radar screen. But, number three, they persevered in pursuing their goal by working together and inspiring and supporting one another. Yet another spiritual lesson we learned from this team. And this is one thing, incidentally, that made them very different from the 2012 Red Sox, a team that did finish in last place in the AL East. Those Red Sox in 2012 were disunited. They were a group, I would say, of individualists, focused on their own personal stats and paychecks, not the 2013 Sox. As Dustin Pedroia and so many others have said, these players cared about each other on and off the field. They cared about helping the team win, doing what they could individually to help the team win. And they cared about helping the people of Boston recover from a very terrible terrorist attack that occurred there on Patriots Day this year. And through it all, the team had the right leader the right earthly leader, which is one final lesson from the Sox that I'll mention in this homily. To say that John Farrell was the right guy to manage the Red Sox this year is like saying the Pope is Catholic. It's merely stating the obvious. In fact, I would say without him, without his leadership, his inspiring, effective leadership, the Sox, in spite of all their talent, wouldn't have won anything. So now, how do those lessons apply to the story we just heard in our first reading from 2 Maccabees 7 and to our own lives? Well, take the first lesson. You need to have the right goal in life. And you need to stay focused on that goal. The ultimate goal of human existence is not to win the World Series or the Super Bowl championship or the NBA championship or the NHL or anything like that. The ultimate goal of this life is to get to heaven. This mother and her seven sons believed that. And that's why they did what they did. That's why they acted as they did. Even though they didn't understand it fully, they were convinced there would be an eternal reward for those who persevered in their faithfulness to God and His law. And so they persevered even in the face of intense suffering. And as I said, this is the PG version of the story you heard today. Even in the face of martyrdom, certain martyrdom, they persevered. They made the decision not to compromise their faith because they remembered the goal. Quite oppositely, the reason a lot of people in our world today make the wrong decisions in their lives is because they forget what the ultimate goal of life really is. Or they make the mistake of treating a lesser goal, like making a lot of money or getting a good job, they treat that as if it were the ultimate goal of human existence. And that's a big mistake. 
Then there's lesson two from the Red Sox. Don't let other people, even your friends, keep you from reaching the goal. If you read all of 2 Maccabees 7, you see that King Antiochus desperately tried to get these seven sons, especially the youngest one, to deny God. Antiochus promised the youngest one all kinds of stuff. He said, I'll make you rich, I'll make you happy, I'll give you a position of authority in my kingdom. All you got to do is deny your God and eat a little pork. Well, pardon the pun, but the boy didn't bite. And neither did his brothers. But many people today do, in their own way and in their own circumstances. That is to say, they let other people, even their so-called friends, lead them into sin and ultimately away from the kingdom of heaven. For lack of a better expression, we call that peer pressure of the bad kind. Because it's a good kind of peer pressure, too. These boys didn't cave in to the pressure put on them by King Antiochus, largely because of the encouraging words of their mother. I ask you tonight, how many mothers would encourage their children to remain firm in their faith, knowing that if their children do remain firm, they're going to suffer and maybe even die? Well, this mother did that. Listen to her words to her youngest son. She said, Son, have pity on me, who carried you in my womb for nine months, nursed you for three years, brought you up, educated and supported you to your present age. I beg you, child, to look at the heavens and the earth and see all that is in them. Then you will know that God did not make them out of existing things. In the same way, humankind came into existence. So do not be afraid of this executioner, but be worthy of your brothers and accept death, so that in the time of mercy, I may receive you again with your brothers. The 2013 Red Sox attained their goal because, as I said earlier in Lesson 3, they persevered in pursuing their goal by working together and by inspiring and encouraging and supporting one another. These seven boys persevered and attained the ultimate goal of life in large part because of the inspiration and support and encouraging words of a very faith-filled mother an incredibly strong mother. Do we encourage the people around us, our family members, our friends, our co-workers, do we encourage them to obey God and the church and to make the right decisions in life? Or do we do the opposite? It's an important question to reflect on today. I'll conclude now with a reference to that final lesson I mentioned earlier. This mother, because of her faith, because of her hope, because of her love, because of her holiness, she was the right earthly leader for her children. She led them even better, even more effectively, in more important ways than John Farrell led the Red Sox. As Catholics, 
our earthly leader is supposed to be the guy over in Rome who's been in the news so often lately, our Holy Father, Pope Francis. We call the Holy Father, among other things, the Vicar of Christ. We call him that for a reason. It's because when he speaks officially on matters of faith and morals, he speaks with the authority of the Son of God himself. That means if we follow him, we're sure to win the ultimate prize, the prize won by that mother and her seven sons, the prize that will last far, far longer than any World Series championship and every World Series championship. Let's pray tonight that we will all win that prize by living the lessons taught to us by this mother and her seven sons and the 2013 Boston Red Sox.